It's Thursday, and it's Dr. P on the pod. The 30th, ha, the 30th National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS is coming on March 3rd, Sunday, March 3rd. We begin the 30th anniversary of the National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS. The National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS is happening in your congregation. It's happening in congregations all over this country. What do we want you to do? We want you to take a minute and pray. Yes, pray because HIV is still, it is still raging in the black community. It is raging among black women. It is raging among black gay men. It is raging among men. It is raging among our youth. HIV is still raging and we need every church participating in the 30th anniversary of the National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS. On the first Sunday in March, we want you to have a special prayer time. We want you to do some education. Educate your congregation about HIV. Show compassion. Show support. Just educate somebody about what HIV and AIDS is. We still have too many myths about this disease. I am so glad you all are joining me today. Guess what? It's a new season. We decided to start this new season on National Black AIDS Awareness Day. And you know, today is Thursday, February the 7th, and it's National Black AIDS Awareness Day. I am so excited to have my good friend, uh, Reverend Chevalis Squire. And uh, he's been around the bomb in Gilead for a while, and uh, I'm glad to have him back in the fold because he's been missing. Haven't seen a brother in many, many years. Um, but you know, when I reached out, as always, when I call him, I was, matter of fact, I was in my kitchen uh, last week, and he came across my mind, and here we are. Here we are. It's always good when we move with the Spirit. Uh, my brother, Squire, he is the music director of Gethsemane Hope Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And you know, we are celebrating National Black AIDS Awareness Day today, and uh, I wanted to bring you uh, a, a voice that you usually don't hear. You know, uh, my dear brother who has been living with this virus for many, many, many years, uh, involved in the church, married with beautiful children. He might have a few grandchildren by now. I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm going to let him tell tell his story. But most important, the story that we're going to talk about is, you know, um, you know, as, as someone who's living with HIV, uh, in the church, uh, in North Carolina, in the South, uh, where we have been, and we know where we've been in terms of AIDS in the black church and doing the work that the bomb has been doing for 30 years. Uh, and still, you know, I was looking over some documents. Um, we, 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 did, we declared, a, uh, the United States declared a state of emergency for AIDS in the black community, I think back in 2008, I think. And that emergency is still happening. 
as we are, as the country is getting ready to declare an emergency for the wall down on the border, we still have a major emergency. We have several major emergencies. Is in the black community is one of those crisis that is happening in black community every single day. And this emergency plan that happened in 2008, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't. We don't hear nothing about it. Uh, we don't see resources coming on the pike like we used to, um, and it's just it's it's just a sad state of affairs uh, on how we have just let this epidemic continue to rage uh, within the African American community. So, brother Squire, uh, so glad to so glad to have you. <laughs> yes, man. Well, I'm certainly glad to hear from you and to be talking with you today, especially on this topic. Um, and I just want to thank you, first of all, um, just for continuing to provide the leadership uh, and inspiration that you provide each day uh, for those of us that are living with HIV and uh, advocating for others who are living with HIV. Um, I'm, I have been personally encouraged um, and enlightened um, by every moment that we've spent together, and it has um, motivated me in part to even uh, do the work that I'm doing now outside of uh, the church realm uh, with Piedmont Health Services. And since last time we've spoken, uh, Health the Churches 2020, I've become a phlebotomist and a community health worker uh, and educator. Um, so I'm educating on HIV and other STDs and then testing other individuals for HIV and uh, other STDs. So I'm able to connect uh, with individuals on a number of levels, now not just the ministry in, but even to provide services. And um, certainly the Health of Churches uh, effort uh, and your uh, just personal involvement in my life has helped bring that about. And so I just want to thank you for that uh, as we start this conversation. And, uh, you know, it, 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 yes, ma'am. And, and I, you know, I believe in, in sharing that while people on this side, and, you know, you've been in church long enough to know folks fall over in caskets and, you know, they have a whole lot they want to say, but it's too late. But I want to make sure you know that now, um, because this topic is is very personal for me. You mentioned our family uh, in 2010. My wife and I gave blood um, a couple of months after we got married at our church health fair, actually. And it was from that blood donation that the Red Cross contacted me and said that I had tested positive for HIV. And. Uh, we began, I'm um, just trying to summarize it now. We may unpack it more as we talk. Um, but my wife and I uh, wanted to not let this moment pass us by, not necessarily to capitalize on it in a, in a personal way to uh, elevate us in any kind of way, but rather uh, I understood and she understood that there were many more like us that uh, would have difficulty either in being confident, being tested, and or talking about HIV. Um, if there was a positive diagnosis. And uh, so since 2010, uh, I have uh, availed myself to the will of the Lord to speak uh, about HIV in a way that hopefully brings hope and healing. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was thinking before you called uh, just how we connected, but Carrie uh, had seen an article in Pause Magazine, and I never forget he emailed me or called me one. Um, and said that as he was about to discard that issue to make room for the upcoming issue, he saw the article uh, and he reached out to me then 
And, uh, you know, I could not have imagined really what that conversation would bring about. And that was, you know, that's been years ago. And to this day, we're still bearing fruit from that connection. Uh, and so, again, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to speak with you and those that are listening today uh, about a topic that I think we're not talking enough about. Um, and it's still a very necessary conversation so that we can hopefully take the appropriate actions in, in helping those who are suffering in silence in many places around the country and even around the world. Well, you know, I, I heard a few things. One is you got tested at a church, a church affair. Uh, and, yeah. um, you know, that was probably one of our, our faith lights the way HIV testing campaign. Uh, I was, you know, with 30 years of history, my God, there's just so much God has just, God has just blessed us. And um, our faith, the Black Church HIV testing campaign, we launched, uh, we launched several times. Our first launch was in 2000, then we repackaged it and launched it again in 2004. Then we repackaged it and launched it again in 2008. And we even um, re uh we reshaped it and launched it in Tanzania. It is now even in Swahili. Um, but I'm just so happy and excited just to hear just that part that you got tested at a church-based HIV testing uh, program. So my first question is, what was the response once you came back positive with your wife? What was the response of the church? Was were they oh, oh, oh were they did they send you to hell or did they did they play <laughs> did they plead the blood of Jesus over you or they just you know wrapped you in their in their arms with uh, prayer and support? What did they do? <laughs> well, that, and and that that's great. The way you ended that is the way I'm I'm going to try to frame the answer because. Um, if we were doing a fill in bubble sheet, I would have to put all of the above <laughs> is what you said. Uh, when I first, um, said anything publicly about being HIV positive, and this is just, this is kind of interesting the way it came about. Um, there was a, uh, seven last words program scheduled at one of the local churches. Uh, there's a particular preacher that could not appear that night. And the friend of mine that was helping organize that event called me literally that day. Um, and, and said, Squire, can you come in and, and preach, uh, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? One of the seven sayings from the cross. And, um, so I agreed. And in the context of preparation for that particular message, um, in my introduction, I was framing it basically that there comes a, a point in life where we all question God, why, uh, various circumstances in life. And, and I use that foundation. Um, to bring in my own personal testimony and commentary about HIV. Um, and, you know, even as I was speaking that night, I figured, and I was thinking to myself, Lord, it looked like there could have been a, a better way you could have led me to roll this out <laughs> versus, you know, this citywide event. And, you know, here I am revealing I have HIV. Um, the initial response from most of those in the church uh, was one that my wife and I had prepared for. Um, there, the lack of information and education, or I would say the lack of consistent information, because we're getting a lot of information about HIV. The problem is a lot of times it's ill-informed information um, or it's information that hasn't been updated. And so there's still an antiquated view as to what may be risk factors and the whole. And um, so we somewhat expected that to be the case. Um, you know, individuals wasn't, you know, crossing the street when they saw me walking. Uh, but there was a noticeable disconnect 
even in their attempt to engage. And, you know, so there would, you know, they would talk to me, but not really talk to me. You know, I would be around, but not really be around that, that kind of coldness. Now, where the exception obviously uh, would come up is the fact that at that time, um, when I was tested for HIV, I was playing the organ at Gastonia Hope. And then my wife and I were also involved at Hope Community Church. Um, and that congregation was a little more receptive to the conversation about HIV. Um, again, there was still that general ignorance and, and lack of understanding. Um, but there was an openness to engage, to understand. Um, and so there was in one context, you know, the, just the kind of coldness and resistance to the conversation. Then on one hand, there was, you know, an acceptance to hear, uh, and to learn. Now, uh, in general, the response was, uh, again, the, the former, uh, in that most individuals would still talk to me, um, but there was a limited amount of engagement because talking about HIV in the church is controversial. And I made it clear that that was going to be part of my platform um, because I believe that God is doing the work in my body and in my life and that uh, this is not uh, one of those miracles, me being undetected, but we've had a child since then and, and, and all this goes with our personal testimony. But I, I didn't want to let that light hide under the bush. And, you know, there are many places that's not ready to hear that story, that testimony or engage human sexuality as a whole, uh, HIV in particular. And so this was 2010 and, and sadly, stay still in 2019. Uh, some of those barriers are still in place in in personal circles that I have uh, and obviously in extended circles when I'm doing my work each day out in the community. So we still have a long way to go in the church as far as advancing this conversation. And I think that there have been many great efforts that have helped that conversation begin, uh, and there are places where that conversation is ongoing. Um, but it's still, um, uh, we can't let up um, because we see an infection rates uh, are starting to creep back up and or plateauing and, and not dropping, which means we're not um, getting the education out necessary and, and individuals not understanding again what puts them at risk. And, and then we have to destigmatize HIV in such a way that the conversation can be had in these safe spaces. Um, so we still have a lot of work to do. So again, to answer your question, it would be all of the above. I've, I've been embraced by some and ostracized by others. Wow. Yeah. And that's, and unfortunately, that's just the way it is. You know, the Jesus people, I call them, I call us the Jesus people because, uh, you know, some of the Jesus people will wrap you, we, we have unconditional love. And some others, the Jesus people will crucify you, send you to hell, and not speak to you at all. You know, uh, we the Jesus people, we are very, we are a very strange group of people. Uh, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus and will crucify you because you are living with a virus. Um it, it, you know, you know. Thank you for sharing and and tell 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 us a little bit about as you see, um, you know, you're saying that you know, yes, some things have changed and and too much has uh, stayed the same. What do you think are some of the things we need uh, in the in the church? Let's just talk about the faith community in the black faith community. What are some of the things we need to continue to do this work? 
where the Jesus people will be un will, will will respond with unconditional love, education, and support. What will it take for the Jesus people? The Jesus mm -hmm. people. You, right. What will it take for the Jesus people to support people living with HIV unconditionally? What would it take for the Jesus people to provide education and training uh, and support? You know, uh, we know what we've done over these past 30 years. But here in 2019, from your perspective, Brother Squire, mm -hmm. what do mm -hmm. you think we need going forward for the Jesus people? What I would say, um, I would start first, is I believe we have to continue to focus on uh, educating our pastors and ministry leaders um, on the issues around HIV, um, human sexuality as a whole, but HIV um, certainly in particular. Because what I have found, um, my day-to-day -day job uh, involves me going into two rural counties in North Carolina. Um, to provide the services that the agency that I work for offers. Um, I'm part of what's called the SCOPE team, which is Street Community Outreach Prevention Education. Um, and so my focus is hepatitis C, HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. And I do those testing services um, on one end of my program in substance abuse centers. Uh, and then the other end of that program is integrated targeted testing, which means I'm defined MSMs and commercial sex workers. And so a lot of that partnership happens with churches in those areas because there's a church, and this is one of the unique things about the church is going to help um, underscore the answers that I'm giving, is that it, within every community uh, in these rural community areas, uh, there is a church. There may not be a hospital, may not be a doctor's office, but churches are strategically located um, to be places uh, of gathering and information and the like. So I think to answer the question, number one, we have to continue to engage. Um, the pastors and ministry leaders at these churches, because I have found that number one, many of these churches are passed by individuals who are bivocational. Um, so there's another job that competes with their time for preparation. Um, many of our theological uh, programs uh, are not uh, putting a emphasis on human sexuality and no HIV in the whole. So many of the pastors are ill-equipped coming out of seminary if they go at all um, to address the issue. And and then to face an issue like HIV, uh, as controversial as it is, because that pastor is ill-equipped, and I say this respectfully, I don't, I don't want to sound as if I'm bashing a pastor. No, you, you, you're not bashing the pastor. We're, we're having frank dialogue. <laughs> so we, well, thank you. So because they don't have that the, the necessary tools, uh, many of them are reluctant to engage. And I'm, I'm going off what they've told me personally and directly in private conversations, sometimes in group settings. Um, and so they don't engage. And because many pastors are the preacher of the church, but someone else may be actually the leader of the church, they won't engage the controversial conversations because a board or influential family or family members may put them out. And, and so rather than to take that risk, uh, they stay in the safe lanes. And so I think, number one, we have to continue to engage our pastors and leaders, um, giving them the tools necessary to engage in these conversations uh, in responsible ways. Um, and I've done that in the past by helping them understand that chances are you are ministering to somebody who is either uh, impacted by HIV directly or they are in a family with someone impacted by HIV that this is not just a New York or San Francisco or Atlanta phenomenon, but this is 
right here in your congregation. And, and so what would your response be um, if you knew this individual personally, knew their condition, what have you? And, and from that, I've, again, gathered the fact that many of them don't have the tools to engage. Because if we get pastors engaging, um, then they, in their position of authority and trust with the congregation, can then become ambassadors of the message that you and I and many others have been sharing for years. Um, so that will help the Jesus people in that end. Um, the other thing, number two, that even in a case of where pastors are reluctant, uh, what we have to do is continue to help individuals understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. And and so many times we forget, and you just made it very, very plain, oh, how I love Jesus, but I can't get with Jesus's children. And and there is something wrong with that kind of love, that if I Absolutely. love God, then I have to love his children. And Absolutely. I don't have to agree and or even understand everything that's going on in their lives, but I have a responsibility out of that love to engage. And, you know, I've often made the illustration of, of, of the disciples and Jesus and John 9. They saw the man blind and, and went through a whole list of questions. You know, why is he blind? Who's sinned? Mom, dad, that kind of deal. And and Jesus, in essence, told nobody sin. He's in this condition so that God will get glory. And so many times, we're busy analyzing instead of engaging. And so we're trying to figure out why people and where they are rather than just engaging out of love. Um, so that message has to continue to go, uh, go across to help us uh, advance this conversation. And then thirdly, this last thing I'm saying to that, um, we have to also empower the voices of those who are living with um, HIV or impacted by HIV so that they feel uh, they have the support uh, and that they have the tools to share and to to be visible in the places that they're in, because many times uh, individuals living with HIV suffer in silence and they have a perspective. Um, they have an experience um, that is vital to the conversation. And, you know, I can talk the facts and figures and, and tell you the rates of HIV in North Carolina and in different counties and, and the whole life. Uh, but it's a different story when a person stands up and says, this is my name and I'm living with HIV. And, right. and it, it, it has a whole different dynamic. And, you know, when I'm doing educational sessions, uh, I, I'm glad that our agency allows me to share that, um, even though I offer direct services to clients. Um, but I'm still able to share my own personal story because it, it, it makes a whole difference. I can start an educational session with slides and I've literally seen the room change. When I say I'm Savala Squire and I'm living with HIV, all the numbers and stuff just kind of goes out the window uh, because I'm now in the room with somebody that those numbers represent. So we can uh, engage our leaders, uh, pastors in a way, giving them the tools. If we can uh, empower those who are living with HIV, um, I think those are some great steps to to help us deal with the Jesus people and help and, and help them understand the necessity of walking in the love of God rather than just professing the love of God. You know, uh, these have been, you know, some great, great tools that you have shared with us. And, you know, I'm hoping that the listening audience today will, you know, um, just be mindful, you know, and ask yourself, first question, am I a Jesus? Am I a Jesus person? And if you are, are you... Um, walking in unconditional love? Are you sharing? Are you? Is your behavior reflecting that you are a, one of the Jesus people? You know, is your light, is your life, is your light 
are reflective that you're one of the Jesus people. And I just, you know, thank you so much for, for sharing um, those three points of, you know, educating the pastor. And, you know, we must focus on, you know, the, uh, the, the seminaries and we must be clear that, you know, there's always a conversation. Well, I can't get to the pastor. Well, we must continue to work right. toward finding ways to get to the pastor. Uh, right. And, you know, we must continue to do that work. And we must also continue to love uh, and support all people living with HIV. It doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, uh, up, down, black, white, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, if you are a Jesus person, you are called to love everybody. Whether yeah, you bro. agree with their lifestyle or not, their, their lifestyle ain't none of your business. Right. Uh, you are called by your badge of being a Jesus person uh, mm -hmm. to love unconditionally every single person. So I yeah. want to just kind of love on everybody or just people who are not as empowered like you are, Brother Squire, but who are living with HIV and just want, th want you all to know that there is indeed a bomb in Gilead and Brother yeah. Squire is out up there, out there in North Carolina, standing up, representing, rep the brother <laughs> is representing and he's calling for some other folks to join him. People who yeah. are living with HIV, you know, just stand up do the best you can. Stand up and uh, declare that you are. You too are one of the Jesus people. And if you are, you know, if you come from another faith, stand up. Stand up and yes. declare the love of God is active in your life. Because if yes. you don't, if you, regardless of what you're dealing with, HIV, diabetes, whatever, if you mm -hmm. do not declare that God is active in your life, the Jesus people will beat you up. So <laughs> they'll be they'll that beat you up. Sure. So I I I want to empower everyone living with HIV or whatever your situation may be. Stand up, stand up yeah. tall, and declare that God's love is active in your life right yeah. now right now we are yeah. excited we you know we are getting ready for the 30th uh national week of prayer for the healing of aids uh that starts the first sunday in march Amen. and brother brother squire you know you know we we want you to be actively uh participating in getting those churches down in winston salem those who've been hard to reach those who uh don't know how they're going to do it to get them involved in prayer because yeah. I remember when we first started out, we, that was me and the Lord, we, me and the Lord, in 1989 <laughs> yeah. in Harlem, when everybody was saying they could not get churches to talk about HIV, when mm -hmm. we said, we want you to pray, we want you to pray for the healing mm -hmm. of HIV, you know what? It broke mm -hmm. barriers. It broke yeah. barriers, and we were able to bring in education. Uh, mm -hmm. And support for persons living with HIV because we began with prayer because we know that prayer what ha changes, changes things and it's, yes, it, it, will. it always has and it always will. Well, I'm getting a clue that we have to uh, jump out. This has been a so such a rich conversation, yeah, uh, and it's yeah. National Black AIDS Awareness Day, and I know that for everybody who's listening to this podcast. You all have had a rich conversation with Brother Squire, who is the music director at Gethsemane Hope Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He's also doing, he's working with the Piedmont Health Systems.
Uh, and they are doing great work down there as well. And we're just excited to have you back, my brother. Brother Squad, you know, I'm going to ask you to give us a closing prayer for this podcast because I think that your your message has been so strong. Your work is your work is strong. You are one of the Jesus people who live the unconditional uh, love of God. And um, I just want you to give us our closing prayer today. You go right ahead. Okay. Well, let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have given us this space and time to come together and to have this conversation that will allow hope and healing and change to come in our communities, in our churches, and in the lives of the individuals that are here this podcast, either uh, now or in the years to come. We thank you that we realize that although this has just been a few moments that you've given to us to share, that these seeds are planted in eternity. And we pray by your spirit that you will multiply these seeds, that they will grow in places that we are never walked, that they will manifest themselves in areas that we may never reach with our feet, but your love will shower down upon those that will hear it, that their minds will be empowered, their hearts will be mended, their bodies will be healed, their communities will be brought together, reconciliation will come in their families, that you will shift their identities, that HIV is not a curse, it is not the end, it is not a death sentence, but by your blood, we are healed, we are covered, we're protected, we're redeemed, and we live victoriously in your name. I pray that for those that are listening who have acquired HIV, that even this day you remind them that you will never leave them, nor will you forsake them, that by your stripes we are healed, that by your blood we are healed, and you purge us, you cleanse us, and you allow us to walk in healing and in victory. And for those who are responsible for providing services, those who are uh, contemplating how to engage for those pastors and ministry leaders who have responsibility of sharing and teaching your love. We pray now that you allow their minds and their hearts to become fertile soil, that these seeds will be sown in, and you will water them by your spirit, that as we leave this conversation, whenever it may be heard, we leave better than when we first engaged. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, brothers. Squire, we love you, yes, we man. bless you, and Lord knows we appreciate you. Okay, folks, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I know you haven't forgotten, but I got to tell you one more time. If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. We're out of here, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>